Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, a boobs life. A mostly lighthearted examination of society's fascination with the female anatomy, an obsession that often defines women even today. Also this morning for Small Business Month, some tech tools that can help entrepreneurs thrive in an ever-changing and challenging economic environment. And happening around town, crafts, vendors, community garage sales, lots of food, and more, it's the Spring Shoptacular in the village of Arlington. We'll get details. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, May 16th, 2023. So, among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, what do you think about this? A soon-to-be-married couple from Queens, New York, has found themselves in the middle of the controversy over the ongoing immigration crisis in New York City. You know how a lot of border states have been busing immigrants crossing the border up to New York City. And this soon-to-be-married couple has found themselves in the middle of the controversy. How, you may ask? Well, months after they reserved a block of rooms at the Crossroads Hotel in Newburgh, New York, for their upcoming nuptials, the pair have been told that their reservations, their room reservations, were canceled in order for the hotel to accommodate asylum seekers being bussed up to the Big Apple. They canceled their block of rooms that they had reserved for their wedding so that they could accommodate the asylum seekers from the border. According to news reports, Sean Plunkett and Nicole Hefferly, the couple, said that they are now left scrambling as they have family flying in from overseas, from multiple countries overseas, for their wedding next weekend. City officials on Thursday began busing migrants to Newburgh, which is a town in Orange County about 60 miles north of Manhattan. And uh, wow, how would you like to, a week before your wedding, get told that, I'm sorry, your rooms are no longer available got asylum seekers uh, that are coming in man that is uh that's going to get all kinds of buzz i think so interesting story there some of the other uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories uh, of the day what do you think about this coming up this season apparently uh this nfl season there will be one for the first time ever one playoff game that will air exclusively on a streaming service, will not air on broadcast or cable TV. It'll be on NBC Universal's Peacock service. I mean, of all of the streaming services, Peacock, who subscribes to Peacock? Does anybody subscribe to Peacock? I know they have struggled. Uh, NBC has struggled to get Peacock off the ground. And, um, I guess they figure that this will be a way of getting people to subscribe. The league announced yesterday that one of this season's postseason games will be broadcast exclusively 
on Peacock will be streamed. It is the first prime time. It'll be played in prime time during wildcard weekend on Saturday, January 13th. Um, doesn't say which one, and they don't know which one yet. Uh, obviously, they won't know that until the playoffs are set. But one of the wildcard games in a deal between the NFL and NBC Universal um, will be uh, streaming on uh, Peacock. Couldn't be on Amazon Prime. Couldn't be on you know Hulu or something like that. It'd be on Peacock of all places. It is just a one-year deal. They're just trying it out. But what do you think about that? Um, well, you know, the uh, uh, NFL Sunday ticket is uh, streaming now on uh, on YouTube. But that's a little bit different. I mean, that's something that uh, people will subscribe to. You know, this is just a random playoff game. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see uh, what the response is from NFL fans. A playoff game. It'll be streaming only. Uh, speaking of online things um, and all all things internet, uh, this has been an ongoing story for months, if not years, the controversy over TikTok and uh, the fact that it is a Chinese-owned company that runs TikTok and there are security concerns about what sort of information the Chinese communist government will have uh, potentially has to those who use TikTok. And there are a lot of uh, places, a lot of states, Ohio included, where TikTok is banned from state-owned devices. If you work for the state and you have a company-owned device, you can't have TikTok on it. Um, and the federal government has a similar ban. And a lot of states do. And there is debate over whether the app should be just banned entirely from the U.S. Well, a new survey um, finds that 68% of Americans who use social media believe a TikTok ban would be an infringement on their First Amendment rights. They would not support a total outright ban of TikTok. 68%. That's pretty strong majority. Um, 79% believe that uh, more states and institutions will follow the lead of those who have already banned the state from government-owned devices. There is definitely worry about TikTok and its relation to the Chinese government, according to Dr. James Hendler, who's a, uh, a um, internet security expert. The connection clearly concerns some people in the national security area. Um, but still, 69% of Americans believe a total TikTok ban would be a violation of First Amendment rights. I don't know. I don't use TikTok, so it doesn't necessarily concern me one way or the other. But I know a lot of people do. So we'll see where that goes, but I thought it was... a. Thought it was interesting. Uh, speaking of data, this was an interesting data point uh, out on the uh, Newswire this morning. The report for the sixth year in a row, the average age of cars on the American road has gone up. The average age of the vehicle uh, vehicles on the road now, and we're talking passenger vehicles, so cars, light trucks, 
uh, SUVs, that kind of thing, the thing that ordinary people drive. It excludes, you know, like commercial trucks and, you know, commercial vehicles. Uh, the average age of consumer vehicles now 12 and a half years old. Uh, the main reasons, inflation and inventory issues. For the longest time, there just weren't, weren't very many cars out there on dealer lots to buy. And, of course, prices have just gone through the roof. Uh, the average, I read something yesterday, the average sale price for a vehicle today is about $10,000 higher than it was just three years ago, heading into the pandemic. $10,000 higher. Uh, that's just an astronomical leap in prices. And, of course, interest rates are going up, so that contributes as well. By the way, the average electric vehicle on the road is 3.6 years old. So, uh, April data shows that used car prices are starting to go down, which could mean a surge in demand. So we could see that number, uh, go down and sales start to recover, but 12 and a half uh, years old, the average age of vehicles on the road today. thought that was kind of interesting. And a couple of other items here. Speaking of vehicles, <laughs> um, this time of year, of course, drivers are in a constant battle against potholes on the road. In the springtime, that's when these things pop up after the long winter. And uh, we start getting potholes in the road. And uh, road crews are always playing catch-up on the potholes. There's there's no way they can get to all of them in the most timely manner like people would want them to. In East Sussex, England, residents took an unconventional approach to the potholes on their neighborhood street. Uh, that they said the city was just ignoring. The city refused to come out and fix the potholes. So what they did is they got some paint, some spray paint, and painted uh, images of a certain part of the male anatomy all over the road. (laughs) They spray painted images, a certain part of the male anatomy, all over their crumbling road. Uh, Of course, when the city found out about this, uh, they called it vandalism and tried to remove it. (laughs) The town tried, but they weren't going to repave the road to remove uh, the images. First, they tried scrubbing it down. They got a a road sweeper going up and down the street trying to scrub the spray paint off the road. But all that achieved was to make the potholes crumble even more and tear up the road even worse. So eventually, (laughs) the city capitulated and filled in the potholes, repaved the road. (laughs) The uh, council of the town, the town council, in a statement said, we understand people's concerns about potholes, but this is not the way to address the situation. And yet, they did get the (laughs) the road repaved. (laughs) So maybe it is the way to address the, maybe it is exactly the way to, to address the situation. Uh, so kudos uh, there, I guess. <laughs> All's well that ends well. Ends justifying the means, to be sure. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. This is ONN. I'm Kate Burdett on the Ohio News Network. A central Ohio plastic surgeon known for her viral TikToks is now facing the Ohio State Medical Board. 
Yolanda Harris of ONN affiliate WBNS-TV in Columbus has more. The state suspended Dr. Catherine Roxanne Graw's medical license back in November. The board found that she did not provide written discharge instructions to one patient and found that another had to undergo further treatment at a hospital following a surgery. Now, she's gained a large following online after posting videos of her procedures. We did reach out to Dr. Roxy's attorney. They declined to comment. We expect a decision sometime later this week. I'm Yolanda Harris. The stalemate continues and talks to raise America's debt ceiling. ONN's Andrew Kinsey reports. President Joe Biden and top congressional leaders are set to meet again this week. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says he'll raise the debt limit if cuts are to the budget. However, he says talks still have a long way to go. Now, the White House says staff members held productive meetings over the weekend. According to Moody Analytics, a prolonged debt limit breach could cut thousands of jobs nationwide. Analysts warn a recession is likely in the second half of this year. I'm Andrew Kinsey. And this year's Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue marks a milestone. At 81, Martha Stewart is the oldest model to pose for the publication. For more state news, visit onnradio.com. I'm Kate Burdett on the Ohio News Network. So I'm going to say right up front, I'm not sure how comfortable some people are going to be with this subject matter, but here goes anyway. You know, our culture has always had a fascination with the female anatomy, an obsession, really, that defines women in so many ways that our next guest has written an entire book about it. Leslie Lair is author of A Boob's Life. You heard that right. Leslie Lair, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. My pleasure, especially uh, to Ohio, because I am a Buckeye. I, I know that. Yes. Uh, so uh, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. We, You know, what I did not expect when this book first landed on my desk is that this is more than just an examination of the cultural infatuation with women's breasts. This is actually a memoir. Yes, absolutely. It's a combination of a memoir, which was my experience of kind of a typical woman's life going through all the stages of wanting breasts and getting them and, you know, having to hide them for work and show them to get a man and nursing a baby and then ultimately being completely (laughs) drained and flat tested (laughs) and getting implants and then getting breast cancer. And, you know, it tracks our whole entire life. So it it, it was the only way I could write it was to combine kind of looking at my life and how my attitude towards my body and other people's were shaped by the culture. So there was a, it was really fun. And I couldn't believe there wasn't a book about this yet. (laughs) Well, and, and as you were kind of alluding to there, the fact that your boobs are at the center of all of these milestones in your life really says all that needs to be said about the cultural aspect, doesn't it? Absolutely. It's, it's, we take it for granted and yet it has this profound effect on, on everything from fashion to laws. It's incredible. I want to ask what was the most difficult part to write about, but I would have to assume that it was the cancer. Yeah, it definitely was. I, you know, I wrote a modern love New York times uh, essay about breast cancer. Uh, Probably nine years ago, I had a novel coming out and I thought I'm done never writing about it again. And I actually did not include it in the first draft of this book. Hmm. Um, And my publisher was like, yeah, no, you're going to have to, you're going to have to talk about that. And, and, you know, I don't want to be cancer chick. It's 20 chapters in the book. It's only two chapters, but I do get so much, you know, 
so much focus on it. And I figure mm-hmm. if I can help one person get a mammogram or be healthy or avoid it or have an easier time, because it is this incredible plague. And of course, it's kind of why I wrote the book. Because I got out of the shower one night and after all I'd been through and looked in the mirror and my boobs were not what I thought they should be by now after all yeah. I'd been through. And I was so upset. My husband said I was obsessed. And I thought, no, 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 we're all obsessed. Yeah, so, yeah, that is a, that is a good point. Um, so as you're writing the book and examining all of the ways that the experience of womanhood revolves around her breasts, what was the most, I don't want to say maybe unexpected or surprising discovery you made? I mean, what really stood out to you? No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> the puns are endless. I mean, there's 150 <laughs> nicknames. I think the thing that surprised me the most was that in 1982, and um, yeah, in 1982, the FDA approved a definition by the Association of American Plastic Surgeons, some society that said small breasts were a disease. <laughs> and, uh, really? You know, led to a, in, yeah, ni- in 1982. And, now, I would not have been yeah. surprised uh, to hear, like, in the 30s or the 40s. But 1982. Yeah, because that opened the door for, you know, breast implants and all these actresses who were in Playboy, you know, setting the standard for beauty. Hmm. You know, people that you wouldn't believe. I mean, everyone from Dolly Parton to Sally Field, Holly Berry, Grace Jones, Shannon Doherty, Belinda Carlisle. I mean, that was how you prove you were beautiful. And so, of course, we were all influenced by that. And and that I think that definitely surprised me the most. Also, breast cancer was never even named until it was called a women's disease until hmm. women got out of you know were able allowed to go to medical school. Wow! So, and the number of women that died, over two million women had died, and I think that was a fact that surprised me. It was more than the men who died in World War One, World War Two, Vietnam, and the Korean War combined. Wow! And yeah, so anyway, is the is the goal here to, on some level, to get people, perhaps especially men, to take a more mature attitude toward the female anatomy? Or are you trying to change the narrative or celebrate it? Because I feel like sometimes women have this love-hate relationship with their boobs. You know, that is the best question you could possibly have asked me because I don't think that we can change uh, biology. And men are instinctively drawn to eyeball a woman's chest within 200 milliseconds of her entering a room. But advertising and, you know, the proliferation of so many cultural events have co-opted those eyeballs to made it a thing. And so breasts became something that was for babies that became just completely sexualized. And because of that, I feel like women are really held back and judged. And so my mission isn't to so much change things. I mean, sure, I want people to get mammograms. I want people to vote for, you know, family rights and things. But I really want us to be able to look in the mirror and be proud of our bodies at every stage. And I figure if we can stop judging ourselves by what our boobs look like, we'll stop judging other women. And if we stop judging other women, then the women, we can all work together and men will benefit also. And we won't be pigeonholing people by what our breasts look like. Yeah. You know, it's the first thing you see that identifies gender. And so it's an unavoidable issue. Well, and and I, I remember hearing once is the very first thing that makes a, a girl feel like she is a woman uh, is when yeah, she develops. Absolutely. And, and so the new Judy 
Yeah, it's that the Judy Bloom movie out now. Mm-hmm. It's the first thing you see. The first right. scene is getting a bra. It's a yeah. big deal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So again, that that love hate relationship uh, thing is very real. Yeah, absolutely. And and you'll know because what you know all the fuss about Mother's Day. I mean, breasts represent love and caretaking, and they also represent a sexy side. And yeah. most women are far more complex than just those two sides. Mm-hmm. And our bodies have a lot to do with it. One of the Amazon reviews uh, that I read, I thought, offered a very interesting nugget. It was a reader named John T. who wrote, By telling her story through the point of view of her breasts, she accomplishes the biggest feat for a memoir, showing that hers is every woman's story. Was that a deliberate effort on your part, or did it just kind of turn out that way? No, that was absolutely my intent. I thought I just figured I'm this I'm just a regular girl from Ohio, you know. Mm-hmm. And if all if I had been through all these things in my life, then and I just figured uh, every woman has. I mean, every day we get up and we have to decide what kind of bra to put on. We want to show our boobs. Do we want to hide them? You know, I, it was just, I thought if this has happened to me, then it must happen to everybody and yeah. the commercials we see and the music we hear. So that was definitely of, this is not just my story. Yeah. And so I was able to bring in all these facts and show this is part of uh, living in America. And clearly what you have written here has resonated with others. A boob's life is actually being developed into a series for HBO Max, I understand. Yeah, and that's what's so funny because on Amazon it hit number one in feminist literature and I'm doing lectures at universities. And yet it's also, they optioned it for a comedy, a comedy <laughs> series. So there's, it's kind of something for everybody. Is that kind of, is that kind of surreal? I mean, I, I, I would guess that that's not what you expected to come out of this. No, and the weird thing is that happened first. I got the TV interest before <laughs> the book was published because the bookstores are like, they don't know if it should be a nonfiction or a memoir. And um, as we know, especially now with the writer's strike, who knows what will ever happen. Right. You know, it's people are, love this. And if it doesn't happen as a TV show, it'll happen as a movie. But right now, the book is just, you know, doing phenomenally. I'm so excited. It's out in paperback. And the new chapter, all the new stuff that's in it in the book that came out last week is about my trip to Ohio last year riding in the 4th of July parade. And it, it, was, it enabled me to update every single topic in the book from, mm. you know, body image to breast implants to breast cancer. And, and my experience of going back to my small town and, and, you know, I was a little girl looked up to these beauty Queens in the parade and I, didn't have the boobs to be one. And finally, hmm. I wrote a book about boobs and got in the parade. So it was, it was fun. <laughs> Got to talk about coming full circle there. Uh, Leslie, Leslie Lair is author of A Boobs Life. You have more uh, about the book and uh, all of that on your website, right? Yes, absolutely. My website is leslielair.com. My last name is spelled L-E-H-R. Leslie Lair, thanks very much for taking the time and certainly continued success. Thank you so much and go Bucks. Well, it is Small Business Month, the time to celebrate entrepreneurs of all shapes and sizes. And these days, starting, growing, heck, even surviving in business means being smart and efficient with technology, which is why we are joined by award-winning technology journalist Andrea Smith. Andrea, thanks very much for uh, taking the time once again. Talk a little bit about why Small Business Month uh, is so important. Well, it's important because, you know, I think people would be surprised to know that there's over 32 million small businesses in the U.S. 
And it's really a time for people to remember that they should support their local small business. Um, the Small Business Administration does this um, and really wants to applaud their contributions, especially during these past two challenging years. So, you know, as they pivot and grow, um, we should support them. And I've got the newest tech tools and devices to help with just that. So uh, let's start there. What is your top tip, your number one tip for increasing office productivity? Well, you know me, I'm all about taking advantage of technology to help maximize productivity while saving money. For that, a product like the Epson EcoTank Pro ET5850 SuperTank all-in-one printer is perfect. It delivers fast, wireless, cartridge-free printing. It comes with a ridiculous amount of ink, so you can say goodbye to those expensive toner cartridges. It's got incredible features like auto two-sided printing. Of course, you can copy, scan, fax your documents. And, you know, Epson's durability and heavy-duty performance just means small businesses can manage even the most critical projects right in-house. I also love that it's got this large 4.3-inch color touchscreen for easy navigation and helpful setup. Takes off all of the boxes when it comes to a a small business uh, machine. It sure does. It, it does just about everything. And honestly, you know, it'll save money in the sense that since it does so much, you don't have to then, you know, sub that business out to other people. Oh, that's a good point. Um, you know, when we talk about uh, technology and small business, one of the uh, big sea changes that we've seen in recent years is the way social media has become such a, a, an important part uh, for many businesses, many industries. Uh, in, in terms of marketing to consumers and, and so on, what are some tools to help boost a company's online presence? Because this is still a challenge for a lot of small business enterprises. You are so right, Chris. It's a challenge. And honestly, it's, it's, it's almost overwhelming for some small businesses, like a full-time job for someone. So there's lots of easy-to-use tools that can help. I really like Video Leap. It's an all-in-one video editing app that has advanced tools built right in. It'll help you create a professional, high-quality video that you can then share directly to your social media platform. So it comes with thousands of pre-made templates to choose from, along with um, filters, transitions, text, music, all the editing tools you need to create content for your small business. It's Android and iOS devices, and it just makes it super simple. And like you mentioned, and it's absolutely true, and this is a full-time job uh, in some companies, but again, if you don't have the expertise or the time for all of that, anything that can cut down the amount of time you spend uh, on your uh, social media presence is definitely a a big plus. What are some other um, tips or advice that you can share for businesses to uh, expand, grow, thrive in what we know has been a very rapidly changing market, especially over the past couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. Technology is always evolving. So so two things, right? Social media, we talked about, and the importance of having a, an online presence. But a lot of companies are using, um, they're turning to their own customers as a source of revenue. They're relying on the authenticity of user-generated content in their social media marketing. So that's one way. And then another thing just to really be aware of is um, 
generative AI. You know, we've talked about chat GPT. And the technology is, is new, but it just has enormous implications for small businesses. I mean, you know, you can, you can have it work right with your team to write marketing materials, to design products, to handle some customer support issues. You know, it, it's changing, but it's really important to not be afraid. You've got to be aware of it, understand it, and figure out how you could use this. In, in supporting your small businesses' growth. That is such a good point because we hear all of these stories about AI and the ways uh, that it's being used in its infancy here. And this really is the next big thing. I mean, you know, think about if we could have predicted that social media would be the next big thing 10 years ago, how far ahead would we be in our businesses if we got in on the ground floor? This is your opportunity to sort of get in on the next big thing while it is still kind of in its infancy right now. Yeah. And I think, I think that a lot of people are scared of it. You know, they don't understand it really, or they're scared, you know, they hear all these crazy reports about, oh, you know, it's going to take over. But I, you know, which is why it's so important to embrace it and understand it and understand how you can make it work for you. Uh, absolutely. Leveraging that to uh, to the future of our uh, businesses. Again, uh, award-winning news technology journalist, Sandra Ray Smith, with us this morning for a Small Business Month, talking about leveraging uh, today's technology for now and in the future. Where do we get more information, Andrea? Chris, you can head over to d6news.com forward slash small business month for more information. We will link that up on our webpage as well. Andrea, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. You're listening to Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Police in Springfield, Colorado, uh, were trying to uh, pull over a man uh, on charges of speeding and uh, suspicion of driving under the influence. Uh, this happened, I don't know, a couple of days ago, anyway. Now, Springfield, Colorado police say the man was pulled over for speeding and suspicion of DUI. As the officer approached his vehicle, the man got out of the vehicle or he he, uh, slid over to the passenger side of the vehicle and then exited the vehicle claiming that he wasn't the one driving. The only problem was uh, with that excuse is that the only other, the only occupants of the vehicle were the man and his dog. (laughs) So he was claiming he wasn't driving. Uh, tried to blame his dog to uh, get out of a DUI arrest. <laughs> uh, authorities say the man then tried to run away uh, when the officer asked if he had been drinking. He was uh, located and arrested a short time later. In addition to the charges from the traffic stop, uh, the man has two active warrants in the town of Pueblo, Colorado. So, <laughs> all kind of trouble. Tried to blame his dog. (laughs) Hey, officer, I wasn't driving. That is not... Wasn't me. It's the darn dog. All righty then. Uh, Let's see. A woman in South Carolina pulled over 
uh, for a traffic stop. Um, <laughs> this, <laughs> how'd you like to be the, uh, the cop who, uh, had this encounter Anderson County Sheriff's office in uh, South Carolina, uh, pulled over a man and a woman, the man, uh, the uh, woman, uh, appeared to be, uh, very, very much pregnant, very much with child. Uh, and apparently she went into uh, premature labor and delivered a pile of cocaine, uh, actually. Uh, here's what happened. Uh, the sheriff's office stopped the car on Interstate 85. Inside, a man and a woman, uh, a man with a woman who appeared to be heavily pregnant. Deputies asked when the baby was due, and the couple gave conflicting answers. So <laughs> they couldn't agree on when the baby was due. Um, so that obviously raised suspicion of the uh, deputies involved in the traffic stop. So they uh, decided to, uh, question the couple a little bit more. And that's when the woman made a run for it. Uh, but she didn't get far before 1500 grams of cocaine fell, fell from her rubber prosthetic belly or pregnancy <laughs> belly <laughs> stuffed with cocaine. Uh, she and the man were both charged with trafficking. <laughs> Seemed like a foolproof plan. They could have only agreed on what the due date was. And cops probably would have never given it a second thought. <laughs> oh, but you know, criminals, thank goodness they're not the sharpest tools in the shed. You know, that's... Uh, let's see. Now... This is uh, kind of crazy. Annie Duplock recently celebrated her 100th birthday. Now, Annie is a former circus worker. And so for her 100th birthday, she decided to, she decided to take the stage at the Zippo's Circus to become a human target. Uh, one of those people that they throw knives at. She's a human target at the circus, uh, celebrating her 100th birthday by having knives thrown at her. Well, apparently she figured, what have I got to lose? Live for 100 years. <laughs> Be good either way. Um, she said she really enjoyed the experience, and she's ready to do it again next year. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Not the way I would celebrate my 100th birthday, but, you know, to each his own or her own. Speaking of uh, uh, people uh, being mutilated, oh, in this case, she she wasn't, but this story, the police in California are investigating after uh, finding a man's hand that was apparently cut off with a sword, the severed hand just found randomly on the sidewalk late Saturday night. Apparently, nobody called it in. Uh, the person, the victim, did not call it in. It was just somebody random who discovered the hand on the sidewalk. At about the same time, a man in his 60s checked into a nearby hospital, missing a hand. When police arrived to question the individual, he claimed someone had just chopped it off with a sword. <laughs> well, okay. No arrests have yet been made. Just another Saturday night in California, I guess. <clears throat> um, in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, 
A 59-year-old man is now facing charges after breaking into a home and taking a nap. Police were called after the homeowner found the individual in the home and he refused to leave. When authorities arrived, they found the man lying on the floor, reportedly trying to take a nap. <laughs> well, you know, breaking in sometimes, you know, if you've got a, uh, a fortified, uh, you know, secure home, that can take a lot out of you. I mean, breaking in is can be very tiring, so you can understand. Um, the man was taken into custody and charged with aggravated criminal trespassing. So. <clears throat> <laughs> broke in to take a nap. And finally, in the broken news this morning, we have to have a story out of Florida. So this is uh, so this is that, and I'm not sure exactly where. Uh, oh, it's Escambia uh, County. So that's in the uh, Panhandle, right around Pensacola. Um, so Escambia County, Florida, uh, a man has found himself in hot water after allegedly pointing a gun at his wife because she did not invite him to the Olive Garden. The incident, the incident unfolded when the intoxicated man showed up drunk to his daughter's track meet uh, earlier this month. Enraged by his behavior, his wife refused to allow him to join the family for dinner. Undeterred, the man later stormed into the restaurant Intoxicated, belligerent, intoxicated and belligerent. Uh, then later on in the evening, the situation took, took an even more bizarre twist when uh, the woman woke up to find her husband pointing a gun at her uh, in the middle of the night. Thankfully, nobody was hurt. Following the incident, a warrant was issued. Uh, the man now chase, faces charges of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Has been ordered to have no contact with the victim. Oh, and by the way, the man has been suspended from his job as a teacher at the Escambia County Public School District. Thank <laughs> hey guys, a high school teacher, as it turns out. The whole thing because she wouldn't let him go to the Olive Garden. Oh. I don't know, is the Olive Garden worth all that? I don't know. You decide. <laughs> there you go. Uh, some of the uh, odd and unusual headlines this morning. That is today's broken news report. And we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. When you're behind the wheel, it's okay to rock out to your music. But it's not okay to interact with your phone screen and electronic devices while driving. In most cases, anything more than a single touch or swipe is against the law. That means no texting, no typing, no scrolling, no shopping, no browsing. If an officer sees a violation, they can pull you over. So remember, Ohio, phones down. It's the law. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. In a new poll of 2,000 employees... And by the way, these are employees that are actually working in the office, working on site, not working remotely, but are working at the physical office environment. This poll of 2,000 on-site employees finds that the average worker spends 50 hours a year buying beverages. That's kind of interesting. 50 hours a year buying beverages. 
Now, if you've ever had a boss that complains that you're spending too much time away from your desk, <laughs> here's one of the things that is drawing you away from it. It takes about 16 minutes, on average, takes about 16 minutes for a worker to get up, leave their desk, get their drink, and come back. So you do the math, and it works out to 50 hours a year of lost productivity. Uh, by the way, it says uh, 66% of workers start the day with a hot cup of coffee. 47% uh, prefer iced coffee to hot coffee. Some of the other popular drinks, tea, juice, water, and flavored water. But I thought this was interesting. So this is what really speaks to employers. Because there are a lot of companies that are trying to lure workers back to the office now. They want to move away from remote working, get people back in person. And are struggling with how to do that. 46% of those in the poll say that free beverages were one perk that would encourage employees to come back to the office. Which I guess, if you think about it, uh, 50 hours a year, it doesn't, I don't know what that translates to dollars and cents wise, but if you're spending 50 hours a year buying beverages, then that's got to be a rather significant sum of money. So free beverages may be the perk that will finally get your workers back in the office. Bosses, something to keep in mind. So coming up this weekend, uh, the end of this week, and you know, it's Friday and Saturday, yes, um, it is an event that uh, immediately when you hear the name, your ears kind of pick up. Uh, it is the Spring Shoptacular, the village of Arlington, Danica Romick of the Arlington Beautification Committee is with us in the studio this morning. Uh, this is the group that is uh, putting on uh, this event, and it really is, uh, Shoptacular is a great name for this because you've got all kinds of things going on in the uh, village, both Friday and Saturday. Oh, yes, we do. Thanks for having us on, Chris. Um, so May 19th, Friday, um, we'll be there from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. We'll have 45-plus vendors um, food trucks. We have seven food trucks coming. <laughs> um, and there's also 35 garage sales around Arlington as well. Wow. So, so it is definitely a shop yes. to you drop kind of, uh, oh, kind of day. Absolutely. And then Saturday, um, we will have different vendors coming. So okay. you can shop both days. Um, Saturday the 20th, it'll be 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Okay. So, and that's interesting. You've got some different vendors and yes crafters and you know that kind of thing and, and even of course, some different food trucks and, and some different food <laughs> and i would imagine maybe some uh, different garage sales some oh. people might do one day or the other will probably do both uh so it is worth going both days i uh, would suggest it. yeah absolutely <laughs> uh so really and and i know you've been uh posting on the uh, facebook page we've got a link up on our web page to uh the facebook page for the arlington beautification committee uh about number of the uh, vendors and crafters and so on that are coming uh, to this. So we are featuring all of the vendors on our Facebook page. It's Mm -hmm. just Arlington Beautification Committee. Um, And they are, all of them are spectacular. Yeah. Uh, It's been a terrific uh, response to this. I I think so. And we are also partnering kind of with Mm -hmm. the Ohio Tourism. So they kind of are working hand in hand with us. So we hope for a great event. Getting the word out uh, all over the place. uh, We mentioned this is put on by the Arlington Beautification 
Committee. Talk a little bit about what it is that the Arlington Beautification Committee does uh, so people understand. Sure. So the Arlington Beautification Committee's main purpose is to beautify Arlington. Um, we are working on several projects. We have pots downtowns with beautiful flowers. We just had some planters built. We secured some funds for a historical mural in town. Just some wonderful things to just help bring the community together and make Arlington pretty. <laughs> and this is a fundraiser event for those yes. projects? Yes. Yeah, so we do have sponsorships along the way for some of our projects, but this mm. is um, gives us the ability to think of new things. Um, we're going to be doing benches downtown, working with a local youth group. So um, This has been uh, something that has been a number of years uh, ongoing, I mean, in, in terms of the beautification projects. I mean, none of this happens overnight. This yeah. is, you know, this has taken some time. So but. this is actually only our second year as really? the official Arlington Beautification Committee. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of work been has been done. I mean, if you yeah. if you drive, just go through Arlington, you can see, you know, the difference that it that it makes with I, a deliberate effort. Absolutely. I mean, last year was our first year doing the pots downtown. We had mm-hmm. nine pots and this year we're up to 14. So we're always expanding and it's terrific. And it's a great way for the entire community to, to come together. A little uh, civic pride is always a good thing. So, Absolutely. Yeah. It's one thing that uh, has never been in short supply in uh, the village of Arlington. That's for <laughs> sure. Now the uh, garage sales obviously would be going on throughout the community. What about the uh, crafters, vendors? Where is all of this uh, going on? Okay, yes. So the craft show itself is going to be on the park grounds at the Arlington Village Park. Okay. Um, There is a circle there with a red barn, and Mm -hmm. we'll be in that area. It is free admission, so you can come both days. And then maps for the garage sale part of it will be available on our Facebook page and at the Dollar General in town. Okay. And uh, the food trucks will be? We have a food court. Um, ah, gotcha. Right to um, the side of the Red Barn. So it'll be uh, there at the park a- yes. as well. And uh, again, rain or shine, it looks like uh, the, for the most part, the weekend is going to, the weather is going to cooperate for the uh, weekend, but uh, everything is going on one way or the other. Yes. Everybody is prepared. Rain or shine. We have some <laughs> indoor vendors and we do have a lot of them outdoors okay so. uh so if you want more information like i said we've got a link up on our webpage at goodmornings.net uh to the arlington beautification facebook page where you're posting about all of the uh, different vendors and it's really interesting uh some of the uh some of the ones uh, that are coming i i don't I don't want to leave anybody out by mentioning uh specific ones but there are uh, a lot of unique ideas and we have vendors anywhere from home bakers to people who make candles and woodworking. Yeah. We have just about everybody. It's been really cool, I'm sure, the response to uh, to this. And, yes, and they're coming from uh, all over? All over. And I'm still daily, even this morning, got a message about people asking to be vendors. Oh, so. Terrific. So uh, who knows? It's going to be right. all kinds of uh, treasures. And again, the, uh, the crafts, the vendors, the community garage sales, lots of food. A lot of things going on in the uh, village of Arlington this weekend at the Spring Shoptacular. And again, uh, Danica Romick with the Arlington Beautification Committee. If someone would want to learn more or uh, have a, a thought, an idea for the Beautification Committee, how do they reach out? The best way would probably be through our Facebook page. Okay, just message on the Facebook page. Yep, Arlington Beautification Committee. Very good. Uh, always uh, great to see uh, communities come together like this and Uh, Again, Danica, thanks very much for uh, dropping by, uh, previewing the event. We appreciate it.
And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks again to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, that is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, remembering Weldy Olson, Hancock Sports Hall of Fame member who was part of the original Miracle on Ice at the 1960 Winter Olympics. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.